Harriet the Spy by Louise Fitzhugh. Chapter 5, Part 3. Mr. Waldenstein leaned a little toward Olgali as he said this. Harriet watched in horror as Olgali blushed a deep red that started from deep inside her scarf and rushed like a spreading river to her hairline. Well, thought Harriet, how about that? Oh, Mr. Waldenstein, Olgali managed to breathe, then tried to change the subject by saying, Will you look over there at that boat? That is a large one for the East River. No offense was meant, Miss Golly. Mr. Waldenstein looked worried. I only want you to know how much I enjoy these Thursdays we've been spending together. The crimson zoomed up Olgali's face. Olgali, Harriet thought, what is happening to you? And something was definitely happening. Olgali was not Olgali today. Instead of being strong, tough, and totally in control, she looked as though she might faint. Harriet pondered on this as she watched them turn onto the Esplade that runs along the river. There was no way to follow them now without being observed, so she decided to run in the grass and see where they came out. She couldn't keep them in view, even she could keep them in view even if she couldn't hear them. Before going, she scribbled in her notebook. Life is a great mystery. Is everybody a different person when they're with somebody else? Ogali has never been this way. I wonder if people act like this when they're getting married. How could she get married? Would Mr. Waldenstein come to live with us then? They could put their child in my room if they wanted to. I wouldn't mind, I don't think, unless it was a very noisy child who tried to read my notebooks. Then I would smash it. Mr. Waldenstein and Old Golly were so far away they were beginning to look small. So Harriet closed her notebook and ran up and down the hills and across the pass until she had them quite close again. They were turning off the walk by the river onto one of the smaller paths, the one beside the mayor's house. Harriet crept along beside them. Now she could hear them again. Would it be your pleasure to attend a movie this evening, Miss Golly? Yes, indeed. I think it would be a fine idea, said Olgali. Harriet's mouth dropped open. Olgali never went to movies, and here she was smiling and looking like it was a treat. Well, Harriet grabbed for her notebook. If she feels that way, then she can jolly well take me to the movies sometimes. Is there something interesting playing? Ogali's voice was getting higher and higher, funnier and funnier. I think that there's a very nice picture playing over on the 86th Street, one that you will like. But if you do not like that one, when we get there, there's another. there are three other movie houses there and you can take your pick. I thought we would have a nice dinner at the Ball House beforehand if you would like that. If not, there are lots of other restaurants. Mr. Waldenstein said everything in a very gentle way, looking constantly at Ogali to see if she liked what he was saying. Oh, I think that would be just lovely. It sounds like a very pleasant evening. Well, that just tears it. I happen to know that Ogali can't stand German food. She said to me once that if she saw one more worst on her plate, she would throw it across the room. That was when we had that German cook before we got this one. When Ogali gets home tonight, I bet she will laugh with me and say what a terrible evening she had with this silly little fat man. They had reached each East End Avenue again, so Harriet couldn't hear them anymore. She stood behind the tree and watched them walk toward the house. Then a really funny thing happened. Mr. Waldenstein got on his bicycle. Harriet thought for a minute that he was going to go off and deliver things, but then her hair stood on end as she watched Olgali, with great agility, hop onto the delivery cart. She sat very straight and very dignified while Mr. Waldenstein, puffing a bit, got the bike going down the hill. Harriet watched open mouth as they disappeared around the corner into 86th Street. She was astonished. 
She was so astonished that she sat right down on the ground and wrote, Well, I never. I've seen everything. I bet Ogali is embarrassed to death. She's really going to laugh when she gets home tonight. Harriet went back to the house. She did a little bit of homework, read a while, then started to play town by herself. She sat with her father and mother for a while when they got in, then went upstairs and sat with her mother while she got dressed to go out to dinner. Everything bored Harriet. She felt tired and dull in the head as she was watching her mother. She decided to entertain herself by asking her mother questions. How did you meet Daddy? On the boat going to Europe, answered Mrs. Welsh, struggling with her hair. I know that. Well, why did you ask then? I mean, how did you meet him? How was it? What do you mean? You, you mean how exactly? I was coming out of the dining room and I bumped into him. It was a very stormy crossing and he threw up. You mean he threw up all over you? Not exactly all over me. Just splashed my feet a bit. Mrs. Welsh laughed. It wasn't terribly pleasant. He turned to beat red, apologized profusely, then passed out. He looked perfectly horrified the next time he saw me. Do people always turn red when they meet who they're going to marry? Well, no, dear, I doubt it. You see, thrown up, that's why. I, I know, but I mean, well, what? I don't know, said Harriet glumly. She couldn't figure out what to ask next. I mean, what does it feel like to have someone throw up on your feet? Not nice, I can tell you. Mrs. Welsh didn't seem to be listening very hard. No, said Harriet in an exasperated way. I mean, what does it feel like when you meet the person you're going to marry? Well, dear, you don't know it then, I mean. Well, well, when do you know it? Mrs. Welsh turned around slowly and looked at Harriet. Her eyes were warm, and her face had a curious little smile on it. Are you considering it? What? Marriage? Me? Harriet jumped up. Really, she thought, adults are getting sillier every year. I'm only 11. I just wondered, said Mrs. Welsh in a bemused voice. You seem so worried. I'm not worried. Harriet squirmed around. What am I? She wondered. Just curious. I just wondered what it felt like, she said, sulking slightly. Well, Mrs. Welsh stopped putting on makeup and looked at her reflection with distant eyes. I imagine it's different for everyone. I felt, I felt your father was the best looking man I'd ever seen. The fact that he threw up on me made me want to laugh inside instead of being absolutely furious which is what I would have felt with anyone else. And the next night when he wasn't in the dining room, I wondered if he was feeling dreadful, and I toyed with the idea of finding out. She went back to her makeup in a businesslike way. I haven't the faintest idea what anyone else feels. My mother, thought Harriet, doesn't think about other people much. If sport threw up on me, I'd bash his teeth in, Harriet said cheerfully. Oh, no, you wouldn't. Oh, yes, I would. Oh, no, you wouldn't, said Mrs. Welsh playfully and turned around and tickled Harriet's stomach. Harriet giggled and fell off the chair. Mrs. Welsh got up and went to the closet. As she was putting her dress on over her head, she said through the cloth, we've got a long way to go before you start thinking about things like marriage. Her head appeared, thank God, she said as she pulled the dress down. I may not even get married, said Harriet dreamily from the floor, where she laid stretched out arms and legs wide. I may go to Europe and meet a lot of generals. What? said Mrs. Welsh absentmindedly. Oh, nothing, said Harriet. Mrs. Welsh appeared in the doorway. Good Lord, you're not half ready, he said in a very irritated way, twitching his cuffs. Harriet looked at her father in his tuxedo. Was he handsome? She thought to herself that she had never seen him throw up, so she didn't know what he would look like doing that, but maybe everybody looked the same doing that. She'd seen Janie throw up once when they 
went to a movie about a gorilla and Janie ate four candy bars and three bags of popcorn. It was awful. Why don't you go and get the car out, darling? I'll be right there. Mrs. Welsh was flying around the room looking for things. Mr. Welsh was in a terror was a in a terrible grump. All right, he said peevishly. Then, in a rather stiff, formal way, said, Good night, Harriet. Go to bed on time. Be a good girl. Don't make any trouble for Miss Golly. She's not here, Harriet said. No, dear, the cook. It's Thursday. Now go get the car. Oh, all right, said Mr. Welsh as he stormed out the door. Well, said Harriet, she could already feel the empty house descending around her ears. She dragged her feet around, making patterns in the rug until Mrs. Welsh was ready and going past her through the door, leaving a trail of perfume behind her. She followed her mother downstairs and at the front door suffered herself to be kissed. Now be a good girl. I know and don't make any trouble and go to bed and don't read under the covers, Harriet said nastily. Mrs. Welsh laughed, kissed Harriet again and pinched her cheek. That's right, dear. Have a nice evening. And she sailed out the door. That's a new one, thought Harriet. She got her book and clumped down the steps to the kitchen. The cook sat reading the journal. Oh boy, said Harriet and sat down at the table. Ready for your dinner, murmured the cook. Yes, Harriet shouted as loud as she could. The silence upstairs was deafening. Harriet tried to stay awake until Ogali came in, but she couldn't. So the next afternoon after school, she went to Ogali's room even before she went to the kitchen. Harriet had to be dreadfully curious to break routine like this. She cornered Ogali in a ca as casual way as possible, standing in the doorway to block Ogali's descent to her tea. Well, what's this? Have you had your cake so soon? Ogali smiled at her. No, not yet. Uh, did you have a good time? Harriet tried to sound indifferent. What? Oh, yesterday, you mean? Yes, a lovely time. Ogali smiled quite broadly. You did? Harriet was astonished. Of course, why not? I went to a fascinating movie and had a very good dinner beforehand. Ogali started down the steps. What did you eat? Asked Harriet, leaning over the banister. A new kind of worst I've never had before. Quite good and good potatoes. Yes, it was a lovely evening. And Ogali disappeared around the bend. Harriet stood there thinking a minute. Then she slowly went to her room. She felt the urgent need to make a few notes before she went downstairs. There is more to this thing of love than meets the eye. I'm going to have to think about this a great deal, but I don't think it will get me anywhere. I think maybe they're all right when they say there's some things I won't know anything about until I'm older. But if it makes you like to eat all kinds of worst, I'm not sure I'm going to like this. She slammed her notebook and went downstairs. That night, while she and Ogali were watching a movie on television and playing checkers at the same time, Harriet, thinking of Harrison Withers, said to Ogali, If people are alone all the time, I feel sorry for them. The inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude, said Ogali calmly. What? Wordsworth, I wandered lonely as a cloud. Well, don't you? What? Feel sorry for them? How sweet, how, how passing sweet is solitude. What? William Cowper, retirement. Ogali! Harriet said loudly, are you trying to say something? Yes, well, what is it? Solitude, the safeguard of medi mediocrity, is to the genius the stern friend. What? Harriet screamed with exasperation. Emerson, conduct of life. Oh, golly! Harriet stood up. She was really furious. Do you or don't you feel sorry for people who are alone? No, said O'Golly, looking quizzically at Harriet. No, I don't. 
Oh, said Harriet and sat down. I do. This above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night, the day, thou canst not be false to any man. Sometimes, Harriet thought, I wish she would just shut up.